have your Bibles this morning, open them with me to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. And I'm very excited about what we're going to be uh, looking at together this morning. And I've already told the Lord and I've asked Him to help me, amen, to just kind of settle down, relax, take it easy, and, um, and uh, let's take the right uh, uh, speed, I guess, would be a, a, one way to communicate this. In other words, um, sometimes I get so excited, I just want to give it all to you at once. And, and um, there's a lot here, and the Lord is saying a new thing to us or at least repeating and re-emphasizing an, uh, an old thing to us. And um, man, this may sound simple, but I want you to get it so bad. I want me to get it so bad. In other words, there's things here that maybe you've heard before. Maybe you think you know. One of the things we have to be careful with is what we already know about a subject can keep us from learning what we need to know about it. So... We've asked the Lord, we began last Sunday morning as a, as, a, as a family of faith. And if you weren't here, amen, I'll just give you the, the quick end of it, amen. He instructed us to ask Him for wisdom and to ask Him for the gift of repentance. And I don't have time to teach on that right now, but if you do a little search in, in the Bible, you'll find out that repentance is not just something we decide we're going to do. Repentance is a gift that God gives to us. Now, we know that Solomon was given the one wish, right? God didn't call it a wish, but he said, anything you ask of me, I'll give it to you. Anything you ask for me, I'll do it for you. And Solomon could have asked for riches. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for, you know, so many different things. And yet he asked God for wisdom. And God was so impressed by his request for wisdom that God gave him the wisdom and the fame, and the wealth, and the longevity that goes along with that. Now, wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is about results. You say, Pastor Mark, is faith important? It's absolutely important. Every person in this room has been given faith by God. So you're telling me wisdom is more important than faith. I'm telling you that wisdom is more important than faith, number one, because God said it was the principal thing. But number two, think about it. What good is faith if you don't know how to use it? So we've got faith. We need wisdom on how to operate in faith. Amen. And we've been covering a lot of that on Wednesday nights here of late, all right? But if there's no Bible verse that says this. This is just, if at worst, my opinion. But at best, I believe it's something the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, the only thing that touches Father's heart more than a prayer for wisdom is a prayer for the gift of repentance. Because a gift of repentance, if you understand what it means, you're saying to Father God, I recognize that there are areas in my life where I'm not thinking correctly, I'm not valuing things properly, I'm, I'm, I'm not making correct uh, decisions where my money, where my time, where my efforts are being invested and I'm asking you to show me what I'm blinded to. I'm asking you to help me change my attitude and, and, and my thoughts and thinking and mindset and beliefs uh, and bring them into alignment with you. And, uh, and man, I'm going to tell you, you, you get humble before God and begin to cry out to Him for a gift of repentance. And I'm telling you, my friend, you, you will touch Him in, in a way that nothing else will. And nothing else will. Amen. All right, 1 John chapter 1. 
And verse number one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. This is speaking of Jesus coming and living among us. The life was manifested, made known, revealed. The veil was pulled back. The the covers were taken off. The curtains were pulled back. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was revealed, manifested, made known to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. John's the elder statesman of the church at the time of this writing. He was Jesus' best friend when Jesus walked this earth. He was closer to Jesus than any other person, and I personally believe even closer than any other family member. He was a confidant. He was, and we hear the expression today, a bosom buddy. Um, He was literally a bosom buddy of Jesus in the sense that he would literally lay his head on Jesus' chest because he recognized that this was not just another man. This was the Son of God. He had fellowship with him. He had friendship with him. He had companionship with him. He knew him, and Jesus knew John, and they were very, very close. And so it's this John who's saying to these people and ultimately to you and me, This is what I know. This is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced firsthand. And now I'm sharing it with you. I'm wanting you to know that many refer to me as Jesus' best friend. But the reality of it is this. He's a big God. And he's got room in his heart for a whole bunch of best friends. If anybody in here would like to be one, you can have this same access and fellowship with him. Amen? So notice he's saying, the fellowship that I have with him, again, in in the day of this writing, John was almost considered like superhuman. He had such respect. He was looked at in awe. This was the guy that Jesus told from the cross, would you please take the responsibility of caring for my mother? Jesus had other family, half-brothers, weren't born of God, but were born of Joseph and Mary. It was John that he said, please take care of my mother. After the Isle of Patmos, history tells us that John came back and him and Mary lived in a house on a hill there in Ephesus and attended the first megachurch pastored by Timothy. This John, this John, right? It's kind of like in, in our day, you know, somebody really, really famous from the past, somebody that was so famous, like, dude, this guy toured with Elvis. You know what I'm saying? This, in other words, now it's like somebody that's so famous that now they're gone, but somebody that was close to them just has a cottage industry almost of fame. This was John. And so a lot of people put John on a pedestal. After all, they tried to kill him and couldn't. They tried to burn him alive in oil and he wouldn't burn. There was no fear in this man. Zero fear in this man. So they sent him to an island to die. And he wrote the book of Revelation because he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. This was an impressive man. When I read about John G. Lake and some of these guys, you know, I'm like, man, I love to get to know these guys, right? 
And because again, what they accomplished and what they did, Billy Graham just went home to be with Jesus, right? You know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to spend down, I'd love to have some lunch with Billy, uh, you know, Pastor Graham and, and Reverend Graham. And, 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 and uh, he probably told me to call him Billy, right? But to, to, to get to know him and to hear from him caused such awe and respect. Well, you take all of that combined and you still haven't touched, you know, the Apostle John. And he's saying, listen, what you see in me is what Father desires for all of us. He said, truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now see, whether you realize it or not, John just took this thing to a whole nother level. Because it's one thing to be known as the best friend of the Messiah walking the earth. But he said, listen, I don't just have fellowship with Jesus. I don't just know Jesus. It's not just that me and Jesus are tight, but me, Jesus, and the Father are tight. We are one with one another. We hang out together. We are in one another's company. Are you following what I'm saying here? So he takes this to a whole nother level and he says, I write these things to you so that your joy may be full, so that you can get in on what he was experiencing in his walk with God. Now what is expressed in these verses, and I do not exaggerate one bit, I believe 100% the Holy Spirit gave me these exact words to say to you. What is expressed in these verses is the culmination of the entire story of the Bible. The reason for our existence and the fulfillment of what God desires most, that we would have fellowship with Him and He with us. Let me give you a rule of thumb. And by rule of thumb, obviously there can be at times exceptions. But a rule of thumb is almost always right. Okay? So here's a rule of thumb. The more important the thing to the life God created you to live the more resistance will be associated with that fill-in-the-blank. Let me give it to you again. Whatever is the most important to the life God created you to live, the more resistance you're going to meet. In other words, the more, the more difficult it's going to seem to be to follow through and participate or practice in that thing on a consistent basis. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? This is important now. This is important. Why do you think you can remember a joke you heard six weeks ago and can't remember the text of the last sermon you heard? It's because there's resistance. He's known as the enemy. He's known as Satan. He's known as the devil. And he's bringing resistance against you. He's coming to try to steal the word from you. Anything that is good for you, he's going to try to make it hard. Anything that is critical, essential to a close walk, relationship, fellowship with God, he's going to bring resistance to that. He's going to make that so hard, so challenging. Why do you think it's so hard to consistently read your Bible? 
Why do you think it's so hard to consistently spend time every day and throughout the day in prayer? Think about that now. Why is that? Why is the hardest thing we've ever tried to do at Heritage is establish a, 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 a weekly time of praying together? Think about that now. I want, I, I'm, I'm wanting to preach. i got a lot to say. But we've got to think about this. Why are these things so hard? Why is it in a setting like this we can all agree of the extreme value, extreme importance of these things, yet following through on them when we're in our homes, when we're just us? Why is it so hard when other things aren't? Why is it not hard to watch TV? Right? That ain't hard. I'm just sit there just drool watching it, you know? Right? We've, there's a, a, a new term that has developed now with, you know, uh, Amazon Video and, and Prime Video and Netflix and all. Binge watching. Right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you know who you are. Amen. Those of you who don't know, it's almost like trying to tell somebody about heroin. I'm not, I don't want you to get addicted to this. But binge watching is Netflix. They don't give you one show a week for a whole season. They give you the whole season on a Friday night. <laughs> Ten episodes. Right? Why, why is that easy? And putting praise and worship music on hard. Not a person in this room, I dare say, that doesn't enjoy some good praise and worship music. Not a person in this room don't have your favorite singers and artists and folks that you love to hear, man, jam out to in the car, da, 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 right? Amen. It's because these are the things that are so critically, crucially, essentially important to your life and your well-being and the very reason for which you exist. These are the things the enemy is trying to steal from you. These are the things that he's trying to keep you from ever doing consistently. These are the things, amen. The, so the more resistance, it's a rule of thumb, it may not work out in every situation, but the more resistance you have around a certain thing, I'm telling you, it's almost, you can almost navigate by it. In other words, if it's something God wants you to do and it's hard, you need to do it all. Take the day off and do it all day and rub it in the devil's face. I'm confessing now. I've got, I'm getting gifts of repentance after gifts of repentance, right? You know the hardest thing I've ever tried to do? And I know that's a big statement. The hardest thing I've ever tried to do, not lose weight, even harder than that. is write a book. And I finally came to the realization it's because writing a book might be even more writing books. <laughs> Amen. I got a lot of them. I'm pro I got a lot of them in line. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You pray for your pastor, please. Please. It's the hardest thing I've ever tried to do. I'm not used to hustle, but confession, Pastor Mark, you ought not be saying that. I'm telling you, it's hard because it's something very, very important that I'm supposed to do, and there's a tremendous amount of resistance when I try to do it. Are you see what I'm saying? So that's what I mean. You can almost navigate by this. 
If it's hard to do, then, man, that ought to tell you this is a next step in what God has for your life. And I'm going to say something else to you, and I'm not trying to make you mad. You just hear me. Do you realize that what you've done this morning is probably the closest thing to what you're on this earth to do that you have done all week? What you've done here this morning, joined together with other sons and daughters of God in Father's presence, worshiping Him, fellowshipping with Him, fellowshipping with one another, probably, again, I don't know all of you individually as far as what your weeks look like, but more than likely for the overwhelming majority of us, this is the closest thing you've done all week to fulfill your reason for existing. No wonder it's so hard for people to get to church. No wonder it's so hard that we do every, we, get, we expel all of our energy to get there once a week. And man, that's a, oh, man, at least I did it. Whew. Thank God I did it, right? Why? We can go to Walmart and wander around for two hours and not even buy anything. It's easy. Some of you say, it's not easy for me, Pastor Mark. You can go sit in a tree stand for six hours and not shoot anything. And that's easy. Why is coming here hard? Well, I love you, Pastor Mark. God is my life. That's the best church I've ever been to. I'll see you maybe in three weeks. Why is it so hard? We don't say I'll see you in three weeks, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being a smart aleck. Just if I am, forgive me. I'm trying to get you to see something. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? It's because it's so important. That's why it's so hard. That's why it's so hard. My commitment to you, and I've tried to honor this commitment now for 20 years, my commitment to you is every time you come in here and I have the opportunity to serve the Word of God to you is to have a word from His heart to yours. It's important. Because we don't live by Walmart alone, by bass fishing alone, by NASCAR racing alone. Those things are important. I'm not bashing those things. I love to fish. I love that stuff. We don't, that, none of that stuff is going to matter a thousand years from now. It's not going to amount to a hill of beans. See, wisdom is the ability to recognize what matters and what doesn't. What's eternal and what's temporal. What will change my life and my family forever and what will at best be entertainment for us. Why is it hard? Why is it hard? Why do, we, why do we desire other things more? I'm not bashing you. God loves us. He's patient with us. But one of the things He said to us last Sunday morning was, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for an awakening.
two things that will matter the most at the end of your life. We could really say one thing. The one thing that will matter the most at the end of your life is your relationships. Your relationship with God and your relationship with other folks. Nothing else. Nothing else. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, if it sounds like I'm fussing at you, I'm not trying to fuss at you. I walked, last Sunday morning, I, I walked right here, and when I took this step right here, the Lord said something out of me. It, it bowed me over, if you remember. And this is what came out of me. Would to God that we longed for Him as much as He longs for us. Please hear me this morning. You are his priority. You are his priority. Reckon he's got a lot that he's responsible for? (laughs) You better know it. Amen. The entire universe is held up by his power. But you're his priority. Nothing more important to him than you. And the sweet spot of life is when you make him your priority. Is when you receive a gift of repentance, wisdom and a gift of repentance, and say, you know what? Nothing is more important to me than him. Now hear me for a minute. Hear me for a minute. Pastor Mark, you've told us for years, God knows our heart, and he knows my heart. He knows sometimes it's hard for me to get here. Sometimes He knows my heart. He knows. Listen, see, that's a cop-out. I'm sorry. It's a cop-out. Aren't you glad he didn't say from heaven, uh, they probably know I love them. I mean, after all, they got plenty of animals to eat and they got vegetables to eat and, and they got air to breathe and water to drink. That's more than any of them sorry rascals down there deserve. And they, you know, they'll figure it out in time that I, I care about them that I love them. No, no, he demonstrated his love for us. He demonstrated it. Talk's cheap, my friend. Talk's cheap. Talk is cheap. So, Pastor Mark, sounds like you you being judgmental this morning. I'm not being I'm not being judgmental. I'm trying to help you see something here. I'm trying to help you see something here. Pastor Micah Andrews, you've heard me say, I'm gonna keep saying it. We're gonna be saying this. December, okay? 2018 can be the best year of your life if you'll focus on the right things. If you'll focus on the right things. There is no more right thing than fellowship with God, fellowship with His people all together. Listen to me now. Attitudes are formed in us over time. Mindsets are formed in us over time. Your attitude towards a thing determines your response to that thing or to that person or to that whatever, okay? And the enemy has done a very good job 
of creating a mindset and an attitude in God's people towards assembling themselves together. He's told us that once a week's enough. He's told some folks twice a year is enough. He's told us that, um, you know, it's just going to church. And part, maybe more than a part, maybe a whole bunch of that uh, blame has to do with the way church has been done. Right? Because if you're bored serving Jesus, you're not doing it right. But the impression many people have of going to church is a bunch of sticks in the mud who look down their noses at other people. Right? Wearing clothes we don't like, driving cars we can't afford, impress people we don't really care for. Right? Right? And for a lot of people, that's what they think of when they think of church. It's about fellowshipping with our Heavenly Father together. He longs for us. He longs for you, but He longs for the family to get together. Where do you think we get that from? We had the privilege of hosting... Brighton family reunion, our Brighton school reunion here yesterday. Folks that went to Brighton Middle School back in the, let's just say 50s, how about that? People came from all over, why? They wanted to connect with one another, see old friends, get caught up, right? When we come together Father intends for it to be life giving for it to touch a part of us that can't be touched any other way and also to touch a part of him that can't be touched any other way we have relegated church to a duty We've been told it's our responsibility. We've been told if you don't go enough, you'll go to hell, or at least the devil will get you before you do. We've been threatened about church attendance. We've been shamed about church attendance. We've been made to feel guilty because we don't come enough. We, we've even been condemned because we don't come enough. No wonder people have such a wrong attitude about it it's time for us to start understanding it as the opportunity and the privilege that it is it's time for us to, to, to allow father to give us a gift of repentance when it comes to not just attending church because you are the church you are the church you are the church you are a member of the body of Christ. It's more than just getting the family together. It's getting the body together. We are too disjointed to be effective. We are too disjointed to be effective.
Why is it so hard? It's because the enemy of your soul is fighting you tooth and toenail to keep you from ever stepping back in the door of this building again. Every person that's left here and never come back and never gone to another church, they had a last time they sat here. And there might have been a few who realized it was their last time, but I dare say most had no idea that that would be the last time they ever came here. Why is that? It's because of the way the enemy works. He separates. He divides. Because when we're separated from one another, when we're divided from one another, we're, most, we're the most vulnerable and the most susceptible to his lies. You were created by God for fellowship with him. Fellowship with God is the highest and best purpose for man. Nothing is more important to him and therefore nothing should be more important to you. Because of the way we were created, we can do, accomplish, and participate in many things. Man, there are folks here who can, can't, they can't just fix a computer, they can build a computer. There are people here that can take huge diesel engines, break them down, rebuild them. There are people here who can sing, play skillfully on instruments. There are people here who have uh, medical uh, gifts, uh, service gifts, um, artistic, creative gifts. I mean, this place is loaded with talent, loaded with potential. Every person in this building has been uniquely equipped and gifted by God to excel in specific areas of life. It's what God has given to you and your gift given back to Him is when you offer what He's given to you back to the world. It's a beautiful thing. So we have all of these abilities, all of these purposes, but because of the way we were created, there is nothing more higher as far as purpose is concerned than fellowship. Let me read it one more time and we're going to take communion. Fellowship with God is the highest and best purpose for man. Nothing is more important to him and therefore nothing should be more important to you. Singers, musicians, if you would come. Oh, sweet Jesus, I'm just getting started good, but that's okay. That's okay. Amen. We've we'll, we got a lot to say. We'll get it said. You can do a lot of things that will bring you at least temporary satisfaction in life. But the highest and best purpose for your life is not writing a next symphony. Thank God for symphonies. I believe they're gifts from God. I'm not belittling those things. Matter of fact, I'm, you know, it's not if you're an architect designing the next great skyscraper or even building, uh, you know, process. No matter what else you can do and achieve and accomplish, the highest and best purpose for your life is fellowship with God. Nothing more important to Him than that. And nothing should be more important to us. Any other purpose 
gift, calling, or reason for your existence is not only secondary to your fellowship with God, it is dependent upon it. Fellowship with God is why you exist. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the men to come who will be serving communion this morning. If you would come, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.